When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday we release these special episodes that we're calling Classic Risk Singles. Each of these episodes features just one story from the past. If you're new to Risk, you should know that the podcast can be very uncensored. Now, as we review these throwbacks, remember many of these recordings were made over a decade ago. I just ask that you keep that historical context in mind. Today in 2020, there's a vastly different consciousness. Risk has always asked our storytellers to err on the side of not being too cautious, to speak in as unfiltered a way as possible. That said, we also want our storytellers to be compassionate in their storytelling. But even in stories where you hear an overall compassionate context to the sharing, you might still notice some moments that strike you as cringeworthy today. A lot of these storytellers, and myself as the host of some of the oldest episodes, would probably have handled those moments differently today. As always, the title of the series, Risk, is itself a trigger warning. This week, a story that Ray Christian first shared on the podcast in February of 2016. Here's Ray now with a story we call The Candyman. I first met him about uh, 1968. When I was about uh, nine years old, I was in the third grade in Richmond, Virginia, in a part of town that was called Church Hill, which was basically a dilapidated black ghetto where even the worst parents would warn their kids about encounters with the police, stray dogs, getting hit by cars, picking up discarded condoms and <laughs> used needles off the street. It was the kind of place that was repped with crime. Well, he owned a small candy store, and we called him Candy. The store consisted of basically two small rooms, a tiny little bathroom, potbelly stove. There was a glass countertop, and underneath that countertop, he kept an assortment of cheap penny candy. And on the top of that glass countertop, there were assortment of jars, three jars that were usually half or a third full with often stale cookies. <laughs> and you could bet that whenever it was raining outside or it was cold outside or whenever we didn't have a day going to school, that that candy store would be packed full of kids. Kids whose parents were working too hard to be engaged or kids whose parents didn't give a damn to be engaged. I mean, the sickly kids, 
the hungry kids, the weird kids, the odd kids, the misunderstood kids, the kids like myself. Now, Candy, he had this special group of kids, special kids he would call us, where he would get us together and he would talk to us about things that adults normally wouldn't talk about. And Candy, he didn't talk to us like uh, regular adults. He talked to us in a way that kids could understand. He asked us questions like, what's your favorite color? What's the best cartoon? What do you want to do when you grow up? Who's your favorite teacher? What's your fantasy? That's the kind of guy he was. And he taught us things about the human body, too. Like, there was a difference between what boys and girls got between their legs. We would have peeing contests out back to see who could pee the furthest. One time, Candy told us that if you take your little penises and put them inside of a Coke bottle and move that bottle back and forth, shame on you. The the bottle might get stuck. Well, one of my friends, Tim, he tried it and it did get stuck. And he cried and we laughed and it created such a commotion that Candy decided that we needed to have a little meeting. So he got us special kids together and he said, listen, uh, you can't be telling people about our stuff. Remember what I said before that uh, grown-ups, they don't understand. They don't want you to learn things. I said, well, it was funny, but okay, because Candy understands things. Because when the kids were teasing me one day because I had worn some torn pants to school, it was Candy who said, hey, you leave him alone. You come over here and apologize right now. And they did. And Candy sat me on his lap. And he told me what a good boy I was and how special I was and that all my dreams were going to come true. Because that's the kind of good guy that he was. I remember that Candy used to like to play hide and seek with his kids a lot. And one day I went up to the store and the door was not locked, but there was a sign on the door to say closed, but that didn't really mean anything with candy. So I went inside the store, and I opened the door to the tiny little bathroom, and inside I saw candy and one of the boys sitting on the toilet at the same time with their pants down. And I was thinking to myself, what a genius. Only candy could think about how efficient it is for two people to use the toilet at the same time. (laughs) This is the only way to explain what I was seeing. Because as soon as I pulled the door open, Candy stood up and pushed the boy down. He went, yay, you found me. You get the extra candy. That's the kind of good guy he was. Now, there never were a lot of adults or other teenagers going inside the store ever. With one exception, occasionally these older teenage boys would be just one would come in the store and hang out. Candy always identified the boy as his son. But they seemed to change faces all the time. Didn't look anything like Candy. In fact, the only thing that they had in common with him was their love of playing with kids like he did. Candy would squeeze you and spin you around and slip his finger down the crack of your bottom and say, you like that, don't you? And we would say, yeah. It was so funny. 
It felt awkward. It was weird. But why not? I mean, it was candy. I remember how stunned and shocked that was when uh, one day this man rushed into the store and he was cussing and yelling and he was dragging this boy by the arm, one of the regular boys who came in the store, and the boy was screaming, Daddy, no, Daddy, no, Candy didn't do nothing. And the guy started screaming and cussing at Candy. He said, you faggot, what did you do to my son? What did you say to my son? And he punched Candy in his face and all of us kids started to cry. Some kids went, no. Some kids went, stop. The boy kept saying, no, Daddy, no. The man punched him and stumped him. He threw candy on the floor. He kicked him again. He rolled him over on his stomach. He pressed his face into the hardwood floor and started rubbing it back and forth. When he pulled his head up, you could see what looked to be a thousand splinters that was all inside his eyelids, under his nose and his lips. Candy had blood coming out of every hole in his head, and he moaned, and the man dropped his head to the floor. All of us kids screamed and we scattered and we got out of the store at once. Well, a couple of weeks passed and the store hadn't reopened. And when it finally did, once again, Candy found it necessary to have a little meeting with us kids, us special kids. And he called us together and he said, you know, sometimes kids lie and sometimes adults don't understand about stuff. And I said, Candy, what do you mean stuff? What stuff? He said, you know, our stuff. Well, I didn't want to look stupid and ask him to explain what stuff meant. But I did ask my mama. And I did ask my school teacher. And the funny thing is, it was just like Candy told us. Adults don't want you to know nothing because my mama and the school teacher both responded the same way. They were very quiet. Almost in a whisper, they asked me, what did he do with his hands? What did you do? What did he say? And most importantly, did you tell anybody? Well, listen, you don't need to be telling people about stuff. And eventually my mama just said, look, don't go over there anymore. You don't need to be going over there. Talking to some of the other kids, I found out that uh, their parents had told them basically the same thing. How were they going to stop us from going over there? We weren't going to tell them. We weren't going to let them know. We liked hanging out with Candy. He was just that kind of guy. Well, a few months after that, it seems that he had got robbed and beaten up savagely by some guys. So badly, in fact, that he had lost some of his hearing and some of his vision and he was completely disabled and he wasn't able to keep the store open and eventually the store became abandoned, it got boarded up. In the years that passed, and I had the opportunity as a teenager to walk back and forth past that store with some of the other kids in the neighborhood, invariably when we walked by somebody would say, candy, and people would respond with, hmm, damn, shit. Bastard. Some people said nothing. And every once in a while, somebody might walk quickly and even cry. But we never, we never asked why. 
My senior year in high school, I had the opportunity to uh, get involved with something in the drama club had going on where they were going to various uh, retirement homes to put on a Christmas program where they were singing Christmas carols to some senior citizens. So I volunteered, uh, mostly with the desire in mind to uh, get out of going to class. But hey, it was a gig. <laughs> One of the performances that we had I noticed that they had a lot of elementary school kids were there, probably to add to the uh, festive atmosphere of the place. And I noticed that a bunch of the kids were surrounding this one old guy, and they were jumping up and down and squealing and looking like they were having a good time. And I more, I looked at the guy, I knew he looked familiar. But it didn't take much longer for me to realize that that was candy. Now, maybe only seven or eight years had passed, but he looked like he was 100 years old. But he still had the same charisma, that same dynamic. As I could see all those kids surrounding him and the way they were jumping up and down and squealing, I mean, they couldn't help themselves. And in that moment, I could feel and I could see what those kids were feeling. He was so wonderful. He was so kind. He was so trustworthy. He was lovable, uh, revered for his age, probably misunderstood, tolerated. It was like looking at one of those uh, portraits that's made up of a bunch of tiny little pictures and the further you move back away from it, you see one big portrait. Well, as I moved back away from this scene, the portrait I saw was of a goddamn child molester. <laughs>